Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm down in Boca and my head is full because this week was a tumultuous week. Uh, on Tuesday, my kids went to D.C. On Tuesday, my kids went to D.C. and they were there for the rally. And a lot of my friends were there for the rally. And as it turns out, the two buses in Westport, my hometown, didn't show up even though they were prepaid for. Karen Savelle, Executive Federation, had been on my show five days before saying they were trying to pay for more prepaid buses, but they at least had had the two as soon as that rally had been announced. And the buses didn't show up, so 38 different cars of people who would not be uh, daunted in their quest to get to the rally got their to Washington, D.C. anyway. And there's an investigation going on as, hmm, how is it that these prepaid buses, the bus drivers didn't show up on time? I'm hearing that didn't just happen in Westport, Connecticut. We know it happened to 900 Jews that sat on the tarmac in Washington, D.C. and did not get into the rally because the buses that were supposed to take them from the plane to the rally didn't show up. And that was reported as a walkout for people who didn't want to help the Jews get to the rally and exercise their rights of free speech, free assembly, etc. Which tells me, and it should tell you, that there are people in this country who fundamentally are in this country and do not respect the right of others to peacefully assemble and speak. Okay, And that's where we are right now with respect to the Middle East war. It seems like everybody is taking sides and has to. Both sidesism is decried and derailed as a cowardly way of looking at this. The lines are being blurred about being pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas, because they blurred the lines, the pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas people, by chanting slogans like, from the river to the sea, which everybody knows means there would be no state of Israel, it would be eliminated. And because Hamas conveniently and very conveniently hides behind the skirts of anybody who might want to have a rational conversation in this by fundamentally being what they are, which is a terrorist organization designed to eliminate Jewry worldwide and specifically the state of Israel. So uh, we we are in a tumultuous time. And on the show this week, a couple of stories really, really got to me. One of them is the story about Yale ballerinas. I must tell you this. So 
It turns out there is this ballet troupe, this dance troupe at Yale University called uh, Mexicano Folklorica, and they do ballet, Mexican folklore ballet, uh, and that's the name of the troupe. This is all reported, by the way, by the Yale Daily News and, and subsequently confirmed by other publications, but originally from the Yale Daily News, which is a pretty reliable source. And what happened at Yale was the dance troupe decided to have a performance. And, and before, as the audience was sitting there, quite literally a captive audience, uh, they get to look at the stage, which was lit up with a QR code for imploring people in the audience to give money to pro-Palestinian, pro-Gaza causes. But one of the organizations specifically is an organization called Abolish America. I'm not making it up. It is an avowedly pro-Marxist, anti-capitalist organization, this, you know, whose aim, whose goal is to abolish America. And many of these organizations, specifically that one, were tied to actually being fronts for places that raise money and ended up militarily supporting organizations like Hamas, Islamic Jihad, etc. So, I mean, there is a link between a lot of these anarchic organizations hating America, hating Western culture, and supporting terrorist organizations. And these Yale ballerinas, this is just astonishing to me, these Yale ballerinas uh, decided that they would use the forum of a dance performance, people that are going to enjoy art and enjoy dance and movement, to you know impose their political beliefs on the audience. This wasn't designed as a fundraiser with a dance uh, piece. This was just a dance. And the people, the presidents of the organization, apologized only for the fact that they hadn't realized that they hadn't asked their membership about whether or not they should go ahead and post this QR code and solicit funds. They certainly did not apologize for their beliefs. Now, I saw Quinnipiac poll. Quinnipiac is a noted pollster. Quinnipiac University is in Connecticut. That said this week that 52% of Americans between the ages of 19 and 34 are pro-Palestinian in this conflict, and only 29% are pro-Israel in this conflict, which is such an astonishing turnaround from when I grew up in this country, which this country had far fewer Arabs. Um, most of the Arabs in this country were admitted under the Clinton administration, which had preferential treatment for people from the Arab countries. And I know this because I worked in Congressman Christopher Shea's office at the time, and I volunteered once a week. He was a local congressman. I went into his Bridgeport office, and I volunteered, and I learned all about immigration because I wanted to. And I saw that various countries had preferential immigration. Now, this is a long time ago, but this is what happened. And so we have a lot of Arabs. We have them in places like uh, Michigan, and we have them in places like... Um, well, Minnesota has Somalian people from Africa. I don't know that they would define themselves as Arabs. But the point is our country is a continual melting pot. And that's the beauty of America. And the beauty of America is tolerance for other people's and respects for other people's differences of belief. And we have people now in this country who very fundamentally ally themselves with the cause of the Palestinians who feel beleaguered and displaced in the region. But this week also... Uh, on the um, news was an astonishing worldwide phenomenon of a letter from Osama bin Laden 
from 2002, so after 9-11, as he was hiding in the caves. We hadn't gotten him yet, and we wouldn't get him for quite a long time. And he published this screed uh, in which he once again justified his hatred of Americans and his hatred of Western culture and civilization, his hatred for Israel and the Jews. And somehow this thing got to the attention of young people, and it went around the world in a flash. The Guardian newspaper in, New, in Britain, eventually being one of the sources of publishing the letter, turned, took it down, and other places have taken it down. There was pressure on China, which controls TikTok, to take it down. But the bottom line is that the influence was there, and these people, these young people in America, are having their heads turned around by wrong history, just simply wrong, like they don't really understand the facts, and uh, sympathetic portrayals of poor people that are being killed in the conflict. And of course, nobody wants to see innocent people killed in a war. But as people on my show have called in, they have said that people who objectively look at this region ought to be thanking Israelis for doing the dirty work of getting rid of terrorists, because the terrorists terrorize all peace-loving people. And even in this war, if you're paying attention to the news, you can see that Hamas would rather sacrifice its civilians for a news story than allow them a peaceful transfer to relative safety in the country. They don't want them to evacuate. They don't want them to leave. And, and, so, you know, and, and, and so that's what it is. But I have to tell you, I, I am I'm sifting, I am reading Three NYU law students this week sued NYU, that's my alma mater, sued NYU on the ground that they don't feel safe in the university, that their civil rights are being um, trampled on, and that there's a double standard in these universities between anybody who defines themselves of color or of a specific uh, sexual uh, orientation, but not when it comes to Jewish kids. And during the Trump administration, the definition of Discrimination was expanded in writing to include anti-Semitism, which astonishingly it had not included prior to that. That's astonishing to me. So uh, I'm 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 listening to this. I'm sifting this. I'm and I'm saying to myself that when 54% of American young people see this conflict in pro-Palestinian terms, we have, I think, in America, a fundamental problem. Because we have to, number one, scratch the surface and see when they say that, what do they mean by that? What do they mean by that? Do they, do they mean from the river to the sea? Do they mean that they want to see Israel extinguished? Or do they mean a two-state solution in which both peoples have autonomy and respect and live peacefully side by side? What do they mean by that? Who are they listening to? Do they really think that Israel is a colonial, colonialist apartheid state? that some of them have been fed in various courses, ethnic and his- history courses throughout the country that I'm learning feed this paradigm of oppressor and oppressed, colonializer and colonial power. Okay, let me just be very, very clear about this. Uh, when the Brits colonized Africa, India, and most of the world, they were colonizers because you could look at a Brit and say, oh, What country do you belong to? Oh, that's Britain. Go back there. What do you say to a Jew who lands in Israel? Go back where? It's the historical homeland of the Jewish people. They belong there. They belong there as much as the Arabs belong there, as much as the Palestinians belong there. My son-in-law's family moved there in 1905. 
1948, in 1905. So Jews have been there a very long time, and obviously, I don't need to continue to tell you that if there was no, there would be, there would have been no Holocaust had there been an Israel, and that's just a fact. And the reason there was the Holocaust of six months, not that there wouldn't have been a campaign to exterminate Jews. Of course, there would have been. There was. But they would not have been able to exterminate six million because there would have been a place for them to go. Okay? And that is the story of my childhood, the story of my life. Story that was ingrained to me right along with Mother Goose. That Jews have to have a place to go because when the world had a chance to save them, the world turned its back. And the Jews, many of them, had to go back to Germany and back to Poland and back to wherever and face the camps. So, so the, the right of Israel to exist or the fact of Israel to exist, is, it's a non-starter. Israel can't lose. Israel has to remain. And Israel will remain. And it will prevail. And all of the terrible consequences of this particular war on all the civilian casualties in Israel and in the Gaza Strip are terrible. They're, they're awful. And they are the unfortunate consequence of every single military conflict on the planet. This is what happens when you get into military conflict. But I want to go back to the kids, and I want to go back to the Yale ballerinas, and I want to go back to the NYU law student who, on, on the Student Bar Association, wrote for her entire student bar without asking them first that Israel was 100% responsible for the conflict. And she did this on October 9th, two days after the terrorist attack. And I want to say, we are in a, we are in a time of reckoning and we are desperately, desperately in need of education. If this doesn't bring home to America and Americans that we are in trouble, that we need to teach our own history, our own civics. What was the difference between the Allies and the Axis in World War II? Who were the good guys and who were the bad? And why? These are questions that I never thought we would have to teach. I am shocked that here we are in 2023 and we have a generation of kids who doesn't even remember 9-11. They don't even remember Osama bin Laden as the villain that he was who tried to take down Western civilization by going after our Pentagon, the World Trade Center, and he was after the White House. But thankfully, the heroes on flight, United uh, Flight 93 took him down. Do we not remember the trauma that was this country after 9-11? And the wars that we in the United States started as a result? Who are these children we have raised? How desperately poor and ignorant have we left them in our educational system? that they could say they learned something from Osama bin Laden, that people who are going to get a degree from Yale, an institution that you and I have subsidized with our tax-free taxpayer dollars for how many years and idolized and allowed to have this extraordinarily stupid elitist criteria for admissions and these crazy admissions fees and endowments of billions and billions of dollars for which every single generation is a charitable tax deduction. We have subsidized the backs of these institutions. We, you and I. And how is it that these institutions have so many kids in them that hate America? That hate America, but they are willing to take that degree from Columbia, Cornell, Yale, Harvard, and wave it around and attain positions of power and influence in this country for the next 50 years. I really think it's a time of reckoning. I'm Lisa Wexler. 
ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at lisa at lisawexler.com.